Hey there folks, uh, welcome to Trapping Across America. My name is Chip Davis and I will be sitting in with you tonight once again, guest hosting Trapper Radio episode number, golly, I don't even know. I know we've had a bunch of them and as I ride along here, I'll see if I can't pull up what episode number it is, but I am recording this the night before it goes live. Um, and I'm almost actually able to tell you this is 460 something, I think. Yes, 463 is tonight's episode number. Um, for you that may possibly new, be new to the podcast, um, that we're averaging probably somewhere an hour to hour and 15 minutes per podcast. So uh, if you add the extra, we're well over 500 hours, probably approaching 600 hours of trapping information and uh, this is just such such a valuable tool uh, if you happen to be new if you happen to be stumbling across this on early listenings uh, then you'll get hooked for sure because uh, absolutely free um, to gain all that wealth and we typically take a different subject each week and kind of cover that and pick it apart and dig it dig it out to the bottom and just kind of see what's there. I have learned so much from Trapping Radio, so I am uh, just hats off to Clint for having that idea so many years ago and creating what we all love is and call Trapping Radio. Um, having said that, none of what we do would be possible without our sponsors. So right off the bat, I want to uh, give a huge shout out to our sponsors in no particular order. Um, first up tonight is Funky Trap Tags and Supplies. This is uh, Alan Sayer from up in Iowa. Uh, Alan's a super, super great guy, good friend of mine. All these guys are good friends of mine. Uh, runs a top-notch type ship there. Um, they, uh, they wholesale our products as well as, I believe, everybody besides maybe uh, one lure maker that doesn't carry, that doesn't carry trapping hardware. Um, so all the rest of them carry our expander pans. Um, and so that's my plug for the night. <laughs> I do own and operate expander pans um, and along with my son. So, uh, so Funky Trap Tag is our first sponsor. Alan's a great guy. He's um, super, super fast shipping. Uh, deal with a lot of volume. They get boxes in, boxes out, uh, super quick. Has pretty much everything that you need. One-stop shop if you need something fishing, uh, hunting oriented, whatever. He's gonna probably have it. Call uh, Alan up and, and chat with him. And just a super great guy and full of information too. Next up tonight, uh, we have Dunlap Lures. Uh, that's Jeff Dunlap from up in Michigan. Jeff's a super good guy, a really, really awesome trapper. Um, he, uh, Jeff and his dad started this business. Maybe his dad started it, but Jeff grew up in it. The lure making makes excellent baits and lures. Uh, you won't find any, any better. Um, from where I live, um, it's just a little closer to Clint. I usually lead off with Clint's baits and lures and I'll follow up when I do coyote cleanup or when I go back to another job and I want something new, my second go-to always is Jeff Dunlap. Dunlap Lures, the death dealer. Um, results matter and that is not just a catch word and just slogans. Results do matter and he absolutely stacks up the critters on his baits and lures that have been tried and tested by his family for decades upon decades. Uh, so uh, great guys to deal with, super good, um, always 
want to have a good time, always great for a great laugh. And good, good personal friend of mine, um, Jeff's a great guy. Give him a shout. If you've never tried his stuff, uh, he's got several Soul Taker and Hellfire that he's really famous for, but his other baits and lures are really awesome too. So um, catch him at a show, swing by his booth and say, hey, this is what I'm after. This is what uh, I'm targeting. What's your what's your suggestions? Because I found some of the maybe lesser known baits and lures they have work just as good for me and and are working really really awesome. Uh, still, I've got some a line set right now with uh, about half of that line because um, well one line I'm working right now. Uh, I've trapped early early this fall, so I'm kind of back on it again. I don't want to show them the same old um stuff that they smelled three or four months ago so i've got all of jeff's stuff on on this new line that i just set up a couple of days ago so give jeff a try he's a great guy third on the list of sponsors is oki cable and track supply that's jeb hollingshead out of oklahoma jeb also is a great guy jeb is different in the fact that he has been there done that uh jeff uh i said jeff i'm um jeb uh, with a B and uh, Jeb's kind of knows everybody in the industry if he does not have something that you're needing He can absolutely find it for you. He knows a lot of people. He knows he's got just resources everywhere um, Great people to deal with they're out of Oklahoma. They do have a brick-and-mortar store there as well you can swing by and uh, Visit with Jeb super good guy just to talk trapping with Keeps a really, really good handle on the fur prices. Uh, Jeb's also a fur buyer, and uh, he can help you out there. If you're in that area of the country, swing by there and give Jeb a shot at your fur. We're very, very soon to uh, to be, actually I've already seen some results from a couple of different sales already. Uh, fur sales, uh, we're starting to be on the, the, we're certainly well in the second half, if not in the fourth quarter of this trapping season. And so we're about to wrap things up and it'll be time to sell our product, which is uh, our fur. And so certainly check out Jeb for that too, if you're in that area. Um, and Jeb, Jeb also deals in a lot of specialty products, uh, baits, uh, glands, that sort of thing. If you're in the lure, lure making side of things, I'll, don't forget Jeb for that too. Last and certainly not least is F&T Trading Post, also out of Michigan. Great, great guys. Um, Sean, Harry, um, uh, the whole bunch of guys up there are just super, super good to deal with. Everybody they have that's manning that telephone booth is uh, just absolutely super knowledgeable in their products. If you've got a question, they're kind of up jokingly call them the Walmart of trapping. If you've got a question, but they're more specialized than that, you can call that 800 number and the guys that are answering that phone, they trap just like you and I. And they can answer that question. They um, have boots in the, on the ground, experience in the field. They can help you out. They have just about everything uh, that you could possibly need for fur trapping or they also have some dog stuff, hunting with hounds as part of their, their slogan. Um, they are really, really well equipped. The volume of business those guys do up there is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, just unbelievable how much product they put out there and put out there into the trapping industry. Because of that, they know their stuff. They're on top of their game. Shipping is absolutely lightning fast with them. Um, you know, this mail is crazy right now. As you all know, the mail system is just horrendous, but, but you can count on your product going out 
very, very quickly when you order from these guys or really and truly any of the sponsors. So the sponsors, we really, really appreciate. We could not do this without them. Um, the server cost that, that it takes to put the show up and, you know, we don't charge anything for it. It's free. You didn't have to pay any kind of admission to be listening, but it doesn't come without cost. And that cost is taken care of by those sponsors. And we certainly tip our hats to them as well. And we appreciate them because we learn so much from Trapping Radio. And last but not least, and although he's not a sponsor, he is the owner of the show, is Clint Locklear. Uh, great, great personal friend of mine. Um, super close. I'll actually be around Clint next week. And um, we're going to hang out together and see if we can't make some gut piles somewhere. And so uh, it's going to be a fun time. Always look forward to the to the time that we have together and just a chance to hang out and, and um, actually visit with each other's families and different things. Uh, just a great, great man. Clint, we thank you a bunch for putting the show together and for the, you know, we'll soon be to the episode 500. I can't wait for that. And that's going to be a milestone. And we're only, what, less than 40 away, 30 some odd uh, episodes away before we hit that 500 mark. So. Uh, we are the original trapping podcast. Uh, now there's several others, but I also say my personal opinion is we're still the best. Uh, the knowledge base that you'll find here from uh, from most of the guys that either host the show or Jeff or Clint or Carl or whomever. Um, save myself. You won't maybe gain all that much knowledge from me. I'm just the flunky that fills in from time to time, but. Uh, but there is a lot of knowledge base here and a lot of great guys that to learn from. So uh, the original podcast, so we appreciate that. Clint's got a couple of other things that he does. I just want to kind of point you to it real quick and something that you may want to think of. Clint and Jeff do a school. Um, I believe that's over in the later part of the summer or early, early fall, something like that. You can look at either of their websites and find more information on that. Uh, they do a great school. I've known several people that have gone to it. Um, you're gonna have fun, and you're gonna learn a lot about trapping. Um, if you if you want to look into that school, uh, that's certainly two really really knowledgeable guys there with who knows the combined years of experience those guys have. But it'll be phenomenal. I've trapped both with Clint and also with Jeff, um, and they're you know when when the when we're in the field, the camp house stuff is done, it's time to roll. There's no two more serious guys on the planet uh, that are more focused than, than they are. Super, super good trappers, great knowledge base, and you get this opportunity if you take that school and that instruction from both of them to, to pick both of their brains. And they do trap slightly different, but the differences are very, very beneficial and will help you hone into where you want to be and maybe answer some questions that you guys have as you are developing your own style and your own method of trapping. So uh, so that's one thing that Clint's involved in. Another one, and it's many, many others, but another one I want to plug real quick because I just think it's underutilized many times maybe. But um, several years ago, we kind of got out of the um, the dvd fad actually before that it was a vhs fad and that was where most of the instruction was learned where most of the trapping you know if it wasn't in person or at a convention or at a demo or something like that a large part of that was a dvd somebody would sell you and you would get to take it home sit in your living room 
watch somebody for two or three hours, um, uh, depending on the length of that particular one. And there was a lot of knowledge base there. I watched a lot of those, um, you know, when I was learning to trap. Craig O'Gorman, I think I've got every single one of those. They're only available on VHS, and I've watched, I may have worn out a VHS player. I don't even know if you can buy another one today. Um, but uh, at any rate, that was a lot of knowledge base and wealth of knowledge back in those days. And so they kind of got to where with a day of YouTube and, and um, podcasts came along and YouTube especially, you can watch shorter versions almost for free and that kind of took that market away. So what Clint did, it was a brilliant move. He packaged all of his DVDs and all of his videos together on one site. I think his site is called howtotrapit.com, howtotrapit.com. And you can get a subscription there and you can watch everything that he's ever done for, and you're talking hours and hours and hours and hours. It'll probably take you multiple days to watch all the way through it. Um, of every DVD he's ever produced and he put that out there and it's pennies on the dollar of what it would cost you to order each individual DVD. So check out, uh, check out Clint, um, you know, one of the premier trappers in the country, really, really full of knowledge, been there, done that, seen almost all of it and, and really, really got a really wise brain on his shoulders and can deal with just about any situation that comes along. You'll definitely learn a lot there. So check out Clint's howtotrapit.com. It's absolutely worth the price of entry for that too. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about how this this um, episode started. I'm not 100% sure that I know what I want to talk about even right now as we're sitting here recording. I think I've got some baseline ideas. Uh, Clint contacted me several days ago and said, hey, can you catch a show uh, Friday? And I said, sure, I always will because I love hanging out with these guys. These are my brothers and sisters, the trappers across North America. Um, I absolutely love them to death. I love my time hanging out with you guys. And I was just kind of was thinking of two or three different things. Uh, something interesting happened on the coat line here recently. I thought about talking about that. Um, a few run-ins with some skunks. I thought about talking about that and, and how I deal with those and different things. Uh, not so sure what happened on this particular property, but they had a skunk outbreak <laughs> a year or two ago because they sure got plenty. But um, what I really had in my mind I wanted to talk about was more tips for success. And tips for success on the trap line and tips for success in business and tips for success in life in general. And so to give you a little bit of background, I have been, because um, obviously it's trapping season, I've been trapping hard, been, uh, been wide open rolling, uh, kind of where I wanted to be and where I try to be each year on my coats. Got there a little earlier this year than, than typical, but that's beside the point. I've also had a couple of other projects going on. Uh, many of you may have know or talked to Bailey, my son, that's, uh, that's my partner in Expand the Pan. Um, he's actually, uh, we're finishing up a house for him. Um, he and his family are moving a little closer back to uh, where we are. 
And so uh, that's always cool and, and glad to have him back. So I've been helping him a lot as he's finishing up his house, getting ready to move. Uh, also, many of you know that uh, that I'm kind of into to horses and have some cows and, and uh, that sort of thing. And so I decided it was finally time to upgrade barns and we have been building a new horse barn. And that has really taken a ton of time. And so, uh, plus my other day job, auctioneer business is, this is our busy time there. So I have been swamped here lately, uh, which is why I'm recording the show late here. And also the reason I hadn't had a chance to do the research that I wanted to do on the tips for success in general. But this was my original idea is I look around and I would encourage people to think about doing this. And I'm just kind of a people watcher sometime and not necessarily going to the mall and sitting on a bench and just watching people go by, although that is interesting and fun. But the people that I find successful, I found some very, very common traits and common things that they do that I think maybe collectively are kind of what contributes to that success. Um, and as I was kind of thinking about, I really wanted to have two or three pages of notes to follow because I'm afraid that I may get off track a little bit in trying to explain this. But um, for whatever reason, several things kind of popped into my brain and all of them kind of had an M in front of them. So, and they were really as more as I thought about it. And here again, I don't have any notes I'm working off of, so I'm literally going off of memory here and just as I've been swinging a hammer or, or you know, moving a two by four across the barn, things that kind of been bouncing across my head this week. And probably the first one, I'll actually give you all five and we'll talk about all five M's that I think are key to success. Success on a trap line, success in business, and just success in life. And some things that when I look at successful people around me, they all have in, in common. All of them do very, very similar. And the first M is motivation. The second M is mentality. The third M is where I'm best at, that's mistakes. The fourth M is morals, and the fifth M is money. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about each one of those. Motivation, mentality, mistakes, morals, morals, and money. And so I think we can make trapping examples for every single one of those. Guys, I am super, super fortunate that I've had the opportunity to trap around and with what I consider some of the very best trappers in the nation. Many of them, you would not recognize their names if I called their names out. Um, the guy that taught me to trap, so practical, so down to earth, such a outside the box thinker. But you know what? Not only was he hugely successful in trapping, he was also hugely successful in business, hugely successful in his family life. Just a great all-around man. Um, the guy that really, really mentored me to uh, become the modern trapper that I am now, that I learned a lot. The guy that probably forgot more about a coyote than most people alive will ever, ever know. Happens to live in Mississippi. 
super successful trapper, super successful businessman, uh, multiple businesses, managerial type stuff over many, many, many different people. Um, and commonality, all the great trappers have all of that in common. Um, you know, I've, I've been privileged to be around some of the icons and some of the big names same thing they're also successful business guys they're also successful family folks they're also successful in their communities so i want to use the trapping that's all i know is the trapping and how i think that this carries right over and how trapping is such a great life tool well what we learn on the line right now during trapping season is something that we can utilize in June and July and August in our regular, ordinary lives as well. So that's kind of where I'm shooting at. That's kind of what I wanted to, to paint the show around. And it all starts with the first M and motivation. Uh, so I may be getting a little bit scattergun on you here and start shooting in some different targets under each one of these five. But some things I kind of wanted to point out and convey And it is cold in Mississippi, and I have a whole big, huge, I don't know what you call these, uh, Yeti cups, I guess, full of hot coffee. So I am going to periodically hit this because I am in my shop and it is freezing cold. I think it's supposed to be for Mississippi. Some of you guys up north may think that 18 degrees is a heat wave, but 18 degrees in Mississippi is bad cold. All right, so we're going to start with motivation. With anything that I see really smart people do, what I see them do is really, really research it. Um, I've got a guy in my mind right now that you wouldn't know him if I called his name. Uh, his name doesn't matter. But he grew up in a business with his father that his grandfather had started, and they were extremely successful. This guy is my age. We went to high school together. And for a long time there, he wasn't real sure that he wanted to even follow the family's footsteps in the business. He'd grown up around it. He knew a lot about it, but he wasn't really, really motivated about it. So what he did is we were seniors and shortly out of high school, he'd done a lot of research and research not so much in the business that they were in, but research more of can this be grown? Is this something that I would enjoy doing, spending my time on for a career? Is this something that I even want to do? And so that motivation really starts with what your heart's desire is. Because I promise you this, if you choose uh, something to do, whether that's to trap or a specific job or something that you don't enjoy doing and you don't have the motivation to do, you're going to be miserable. That may have been, should have been the sixth M is miserable because I can't tell you the countless people that don't understand these principles and they feel like they're trapped in a prison for a job that they've got to go to they've just so that they'll have insurance, just so they'll have a paycheck, just so things will fall into what they feel like is the necessary place. 
and they can't think outside of that box. So before you ever start into something, especially something new, you want to really have that motivation. And before you can, you want to look at the downsides as well. You know, are there going to be happy days every single day in anything you do? No. I love to trap. I love to catch coyotes. But I promise you, there are some miserable days on the trap line too. But that's not to say that I'm not extremely motivated. So you got to weigh this out. They're good and they're bad. But you want to look at the whole and the total. Is this something I want to do for the next five minutes, for the next five days, for the next five years, for the next 50 years? And you got to make that decision your own. You got to look at things objectively and make sure that you're prepared to get motivated and be highly motivated and to continue whatever that journey is. You know, I mean, we can, you know, this could easily be for you younger folks, and I'm getting to be one of the, the old guys here. I've got way more gray hair than I have brown hair any longer. So now I'm kind of talking to the younger generations here and the, you know, about to get out of high school, right out of high school, college age folks, you know. Do I want to get married to this particular woman or man or whatever it is? We got lots of lady listeners. We appreciate you guys and gals too. Um, but, um, you know, so it's really life. It's, it's, it's literally, when I was talking about motivation and you're thinking about something new, you want to really give it adequate thought and look at the good, look at the bad and figure out, is this something that I really want to spend whatever time is, is needed for that? and to spend to do it right. The old saying is, uh, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. So what you're trying to do under that motivation is decide, is it even worth doing? Um, Because you just, my mentality is, which is the next thing, uh, and we'll go straight into mentality. As I said that, my mentality is, if it's not worth doing right, then it's probably not worth doing at all. And so now we're into a little bit different. The second M is mentality. And so we'll start with that. You know, um, I'm not a carpenter. Um, I built quite a few things and a couple of two or three, four different houses. And and uh, and I kind of know my way around. I know how to use a square and the tools and transits and all that stuff. And I can kind of hold my own, but I'm not a carpenter. I do enjoy the work, but I've got this barn project going on. You know, if we're going to do it, it may take me a little bit extra, a little bit longer because I'm not a professional in that, although I know how to do it, but I want it done right. If, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right because I'm going to have to walk in this barn and feed this livestock for the next 30 years or till I can't do it any longer. And I don't want to walk in looking at a door that's out of square. It's just me. Maybe that's my OCD kicking in or whatever. I'm almost the same way on a trap line. You know, if I'm going to make a coat set, I want that coat set to, well, I guess I'd have to explain that. I'm almost exclusively this time of the year, 99.99% flat set guy when it comes to this time of the year and the, on the coat line. When I get done, I don't want it to look like I've ever been there. Regardless, we're not going into a set right this moment and telling you explaining that. But when I get finished up, I don't want it to look like I've ever been there, you know. And so I'm a little OCD on that, I guess. But I think it goes back to the mentality of if you're going to do it, then do it right kind of thing. So, um, 
some of the mentality, the education starts coming in here. You know, I almost wanted to talk about education under motivation. It's more research. But when it comes to the mentality, the knowledge base of what you're doing is much more important at this stage of the game. I think it the knowledge base will put you in the mentality to um, to really be proficient in what you're doing. Now, let me stop and define education because for years, and especially people in my generation, they defined education as either a high school diploma or a college degree or an advanced college degree. Again, for you younger people out there, teens, 20s, 30s, what I'm seeing and is I study people and if I look at patterns and I study logic and look at what works for people and what doesn't and how can I use that to improve my life, what I'm seeing for the next 10, 20, 30 years probably is skills are going to be worth more money in the marketplace. I'm getting away from trapping and talking about working a little bit here. Skills are going to be worth more money in the marketplace than um, theory is. And, you know, I guess probably when I was, and I do have a college degree, I did go to college, all that stuff. I never used my college degree for what it was designed to use for, not one single minute. Uh, did I learn some stuff? Yeah, I did learn some stuff, but nothing that really helped me in the market. Um, welders, you can't find them right now. They're, they're non-existent. You know, plumbers, have you priced anything related to plumbing or electrical work lately? It's out the roof because there's nobody, uh, heating and air guys, that sort of thing. There's nobody, appliance repairman, there's nobody out there that even does them. When you do find somebody, they're typically booked out six months in advance and they can charge almost whatever they want to charge. You know, they could have spent that four years that they would have spent going to get a degree learning from somebody that's about ready to retire that's really, really good and knows this subject. So that education comes to develop their mentality to be what they want to be. So so the education is not necessarily out of a book. Sometimes it's with your hands. Uh, welders, you know, I, I, I kind of can hold my own as a welder but I learned it out of necessity when I farmed for 30 years. Um, and I developed that into a metal business that now I call Expand-A-Pan. <laughs> so there is, um, you know, there are tons of stuff, but you can't find a welder. Go try to hire a welder on staff somewhere. They're, they're non-existent and they're making more money than people with college degrees. So my, my definition of education is certainly not what most people define education, but, but education can be a variety of things. I had to have an education to figure out my coats when I go trapping. I had to learn how to do it, you know? So uh, everybody's got that learning curve. There's a number of ways that in trapping. I'll touch on it real quick. We've already talked about the DVDs and the information and trapping radio and all kind of different ways you can learn and conventions and demos and all that sort of stuff. That all falls into your education which develops your mentality. And then the last thing I guess I'll say, you know, besides just the learn, learn, you know, uh, thing is never quit. When you decide, you already get past your motivational segment, you already get to 
learning the basics, that's the education, then you get to that never quit. This is what really sums up what I call the mentality, the second M of what I wanted to talk to you about. And you've already made your mind up, I've said that, of what you wanted to do. Don't let a hiccup or two or 15 or 120 get in your way. You've got to have a never, never quit attitude and you've got to keep pushing through. Um, I'm going to use a trapping example here that I see tons of people that have the same thing. Commonality again in people that I just observe. And I'm going to use coats for example. I have had not just a whole ton of people, but probably 18 or 20 different guys that have taken personal instruction from me that I've helped. And I usually like to take beginner coat trappers that my ideal student, somebody that they, um, they like to trap already. They're trapping a couple of different species, but they want to learn coats. And maybe they've tried and struggled a little bit, and they want to get with a guy that can catch a few coats, but I'm not the best in the nation by any stretch at all. But, you know, I, I catch a few. I, I catch my share. And, uh, and so I've helped those guys out. What I typically see is all they need is just to see a few things, to uncover a few mistakes because this is when they leave and I keep and I, I think every single one of these guys that, that have taken instruction from me have come back and we've become friends over time and what I typically see is they go home and they catch all of a sudden maybe they hadn't caught a coyote and then they go home and they catch one and depending on where they're on the season you know if it's real late in the season because I typically do my instruction real real late uh, just guess I'm more free then so they'll only have a week or two left to trap before seasons are done or whatever. And they may catch a coat, maybe two. But the next year, they start putting together what they learn here and other places and a lot of different things, and they catch five to ten. And then the next year, all of a sudden, it goes from almost nothing to one or two to in a year, five to ten coats, to the next year, typically, they're catching 75 to 100 to 110, 15 coats a year after that. So if they would have quit during that time that they were catching one or two, said, I, I don't understand this. This is just too hard. I can't get it. You know, I don't have the muscle memory. I don't have the, the knowledge base. If they had to quit then, in a short few years, they would have never been to that, to that hundred and whatever coyote catch. It, you know, Thomas Edison, I, I, I read a book one time on when he was um, – um, experimenting with you know electricity and the light and all that I forget the number so don't quote me on this you can research this on your own and find it out but it was up in the hundred tries before we ever developed a light bulb it would have been real easy to get discouraged and to uh, and to say hey you know what nobody's ever done this I thought it was a crazy idea I tried it but I can't I've tried five times I can't make it work but you know what he did and you more than likely have lights on in your house if you're listening to this at dark right now. You know, you're listening to this electronically for sure. And, and that's really a direct result. It's a never quit attitude. Once you're committed to a subject, motivation, um, then the mentality part, when you get to that point, you're actually doing it. You've got to have... You, you can't have the even the slightest idea in your brain of we're going to quit this. It, we're going to go forward and we're going to make it happen. It may be rough. It may be painful, but we're going to make it happen. 
This is what I call mentality. The third one is mistakes. This is this is where I'm the best at. Is making mistakes. It was not a mistake to brew that pot of coffee before I came in here. Mistakes are my favorite thing to do because I learn every single time. I hate making mistakes, but when I do make a mistake, that's an opportunity to, to learn. And there's, I guess there's different stages of learning. You could even define and go into that further. I'm not going there, but you know, I learn lessons every single day. I learn something about something every single day. The lessons I learned the most is talk trapping. Um, last year, I lost a couple of different coats because I use um, quick links. The little, looks like a chain link. It's got the nut in between it with the threaded. I, and I change those out quite a bit. I'm a huge drag guy, but there's some places that I trap that I, for particular reasons, I don't use drags. I trap a lot of wide open country. It may be a mile between where I sit and where a coat can get hung at, up at. I usually stake that. So I've got a quick link system. I go back and forth. Well, I, you know, on one particular one I'm thinking about right this second, I had the trap on a drag. I undid, you know, loosened up my quick link, popped that quick link right on a earth anchor, popped it in the ground, and never closed my quick link. When I came back, I had a catch circle, and I looked at the end of the catch circle, and there was a quick link that was screwed wide open just like I did. I lost that coyote there. I almost wanted to cry because I was right to my goal. I mean, I don't know if that coyote or one or two more would have kind of finished me out for the year. I just got a mental goal of where I like to get to each year. Don't always do it, but... I was right there, and that I, it, it cost me. A that I learned something from that particular loss that I don't think I've had a single from that the rest of last year and all this year because I remember it so well. Because it, so the more costly lessons are the ones that you're going to learn from for the most, but it doesn't have to be that way. All mistakes you can learn something far all the from all the way down to it just pops in my mind. You miss a turn going to an address somewhere, going to a new property, you know, going to a whatever, a restaurant. You miss a turn and you got to find a place to turn around and go back. You learn that. If you come back again, chances are you're not going to miss that turn again. You're going to be familiar with the surroundings. So learn, learn, learn. And you only really and truly learn by making mistakes. You know, I went through school just like everybody did. I didn't like school. I like recess. I like whatever else. You know, I never was big into sports or anything like that. But, but um, the whole educational system in the United States is built on what they present information, they test you on it, and if you get one wrong, the theory anyway. I know we've got by a lot of arguments a messed up educational system right now. But the generalized theory is you learn by making mistakes. You know, I mean, if you went through school and all you ever had was just, regardless if you had the right answer or the wrong answer on the paper, and you got 100s every single time, even if you got it wrong, you're not learning a whole lot by that. But if you got it, you know, if you occasionally pop that 
59 grade there, you know, with a big fat F on it, you know, and if it means something that you're already motivated to do and you have the mentality to, to, to do, the, the wanna go with it, you know, all of a sudden you gotta pull that up. So you're gonna learn, what did I miss on here? What, and so why did I miss it? Did I not understand that? Let me gain a little bit more knowledge. So maybe you go back into that education thing, you know, that I was talking about. So mistakes are awesome. A lot of people, I think, and especially trappers, become crippled by because they're afraid to make mistakes. Um, I've mentioned this several times. <clears throat> I'm trying to blend business and trapping here. One of my favorite episodes, and I cannot off the top of my head, I think it's 260 some odd. I don't remember. I honestly don't. But the title of Clint's podcast was Trap Like a Child or How to Trap Like a Child or something. The premise was when you go out there, be an explorer and think outside the box and what you thought you knew may not necessarily be what you really, the, the truth. Maybe what you knew, but it may not be the truth. Don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to explore. If you hadn't caught that podcast that was entitled How to Trap Like a Child or Trapping Like a Child or something like that, search it, Trapping Radio, Trap Like a Child, you'll find it. If you hadn't had that, heard that, it's certainly worth going back and, and listening to that. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Think outside the box. Try new things. You know, I've got 50 different examples just flooding my mind right now back to the business world of trying new things. Um, just maybe a broad one. You know, folks forever got around transportation on mules and horsebacks and wagons and that sort of thing. And then there were some entrepreneurs that thought, hey, there's a better way. And fuels were being developed and they decided, hey, we can make a vehicle and we can make these vehicles. I don't know that they've ever been affordable, but we all seem to figure out a way to afford one and we can make them. And Henry Ford developed the Model T. And now we've got, I don't know how many different makes and models of vehicles and new ones coming out every single year and everybody's got one, but what if Henry Ford would have been afraid to try? And how are you any different than Henry Ford? How are, you know, but if he would have been afraid of making a mistake, then he would have never learned anything. You know, if you go buy a new vehicle today, it's probably got 120 miles an hour stamped on the um, speedometer. Whether it'll do it or not, whether it's governed, I don't know if it is or not. Some of them are, some of them are not, I guess. But Henry Ford's first Model T didn't go 120 miles an hour. Um, if he was afraid to make a mistake and afraid to learn and afraid to to um, experiment and try new things, then we would all still be riding horses and mules and wagons and buggies right now. We certainly wouldn't have the luxuries that we have right now, you know? So, um, even if things are out of your genre, but Hey, this might could help and that might could help. That's one thing that 
that the smartest of the smartest people that I know do. They've got extensive backgrounds in multiple different things. You know, maybe they, you know, maybe they, their parent was an electrician, but their, you know, father-in-law was a farmer and they, you know, and now all of a sudden they've got something that they're a gardener and they say, you know what? I know this from the electrical side, but I know this from the farming side. And if I com combine these, I can make this happen on the garden side. And think that's thinking outside the box. That's, you know, but if they're afraid to make a mistake, then they'll never ever uncover that potential. That's the saddest thing. And I know many people that some personal friends of mine that have been so afraid to make a mistake that they limit themselves. They put handcuffs on themselves for their own success because they're afraid to explore and they're afraid, well, what if this doesn't work? What are people going to think about me? I'm going to stand on a soapbox real quick. What does it freaking matter what anybody thinks about you? I love you guys. You're my brothers and sisters. You're trappers. You wouldn't be listening to this if you didn't. I've heard trappers say, I couldn't do this because I, 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 I wouldn't want to try that. I wouldn't want to do this because what somebody might think. What somebody might say about me on Facebook. What somebody might do this. Get that junk out of your minds. It does not matter what anybody thinks about you anywhere besides you and your immediate family. Outside that, don't be afraid to explore. Don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid what anybody else thinks ever. So I'm going to get off of mistakes because I could probably talk to you all night about that. And we're going to jump right to number four and morals. And the only reason I named it morals is because kind of what it reminded me of. So, so the same thread is kind of going through, but I'm on the fourth M now. The fourth M is morals. And it's really and truly helping others, but it ties back to number one, the motivation, number two, the mentality, number three, especially it ties back to the mistakes. And it also is going to tie right into the money, which is the last one. And so the morals is... We've used a lot of examples. We talked about Henry Ford. We talked about Thomas Edison. We talked about successful trappers. We talked about a lot of different people. The secret to business is finding something that somebody is having an issue, a problem with, and developing a solution. The secret to business, if you don't hear anything else I say tonight, hear this. The secret to business is finding out a problem that people have and developing the solution to that. The problem in Thomas Edison's day was you couldn't see when the sun went down. And he developed a solution to that. You know, he developed electricity and came out with the lights and, and sure, it, you know, it changed things. It changed, other people came behind him and developed new things, but now we all have access to lights now. Um, you know, Henry Ford, we were all walking before that. But, you know, he didn't develop every single thing with the automobile, but he developed, you know, the Model T, which was the first very, very commercially available automobile. And now other companies and other venues, I mean, you can go buy a 2020 
two, I guess, right now vehicle that's got all kind of bells and whistles and cameras and sound, you name it. That what all they put on these things now. Uh, remote starts, all that. So they all are developed, but he helped, he found a need that people, consumers needed, and he developed a solution to that. You know, um, it ties right backwards, going backwards to the mistakes that he said, well, what if my solution isn't good enough? That's a thought he could have had. Well, we wouldn't have automobiles right now. We wouldn't have electricity or lights or whatever. I hope, I hope, I hope my scatterbrain is, I hope you're able to follow that because the moral part is really helping others. That's where you're successful in business. You know, a lot of what I do, even in trapping, with my cat work, I, I catch a few beavers and a few other things, but I, I, most of my work is cat work. And my most of my work is through either hunting clubs, farmers that enjoy hunting on their property, or hunting clubs even, um, but it's to remove coyotes, um, and even some ranches, some cattlemen, uh, that's actually getting to be, this the job I'm on right now. Um, that gets to be more and more of the issue, the more, I guess, that service gets out there and more, more people are aware of it. I'm helping other people solve a problem. And I've gotten to the point, I can't trap anymore. I can't, I, my time is already exhausted. I can only do what I can do. Clint and I were talking earlier in the day, you're actually texting back and forth, and I don't have, we were talking about time. And I think Clint's comment was, it just seems like things are so much more rushed up now. Well, it, and it does. I mean, used to there were 24 hours in a day. Today there's like six, I think. So, but we, I think we got, we develop so many different things that we want to do and we try to squeeze too much things into a certain day and all of a sudden you blink and you got up at 4.30 this morning and all of a sudden it's nine o'clock at night and if I'm going to be worth anything tomorrow, I got to go to bed. And it's like, where did the day go? I don't understand what happened with the time. And so that's kind of what, you know, what I'm going. But to get back on point on the morals, helping others, even in trapping, I promise you, if you go about this, and I do charge for what I do on my coyote work, but if I didn't care about that man's cattle, if I didn't care about protecting his deer or you know, his livestock or whatever he wanted to protect. And I didn't treat that almost like it was my own with that same motivation, that same mentality. Um, then he probably wouldn't hire me again. He may hire me the first time, but I'm not going to be very successful there. And he's probably not going to hire me again. So taking it back to trapping, we can, we can go to that in any kind of different way. The reason I called that morals is because I want to touch on this. Helping other people also to, to get in that mindset of helping other people, you kind of got to, you know, I don't know exactly how to say what's on my mind, but you got to have a basic sense of what's right and what's wrong, you know. Um, I live in the deep south, you know, in the deep south, faith is a huge, huge thing. And most of us learn this in church. I'm not here, I'm not a preacher. That's one thing I've never been, and I'm not preaching to you now. 
But having a faith in God and knowing something is bigger than you, something is better than you, is an absolutely huge thing that carries straight over to trapping. It carries straight over to business. It carries straight over to dealing with every other person in the world. Being self-centered is kind of the opposite of that. You know, everything revolves around you. Everything revolves around me. That's more the definition of being self-centered. And I'm the only thing that matters. That individual typically is going to have problems with just about everybody he comes in contact with. I'll tell you something that I heard a wise old man say one time, and I've never forgot that, or what I'm about to tell you. He said, if you have a problem with somebody in life, he said, you need to address that problem. He said, if you have a problem with everybody in life, everybody you run into, you've got a problem with, you might need to look in the mirror. Typical healthy people don't have a problem with every single person they look at. If you find yourself in that trap of day in, day out for a long period of time, you have a problem with every single person you bump into, the problem may be you. And so now, regress in the schedule of M's here, and where is that problem? <laughs> there's another M. The problem could be me. You know, and maybe there's things I need to address. There's maybe things that I need to, to uh, look at. But I kind of call that morals because it really and truly um, goes right back to what we learned in church and that's you know treat other people like you'd want to be treated have respect for your fellow human being you know help other people that that's why i call that morals because that goes right back hand in hand with what we're talking about um golly i was afraid this is going to be a short show i'm looking at my time i'm already almost out of time so i'm going to finish this up with money because that in the business world and in the trapping world to some extent um, is what we're after. That's the end goal. That's how we measure success in business is the dollar figures at the end of it. You know, a lot of times I wish we had a different way of measuring success. Grab this coffee again. But at the end of the day, in the United States of America, we don't. You know, we um, we measure things by dollars. That's how we measure things. You know, what's this going to cost me? You know, we we tell them it's going to cost you this, and we usually preface that in dollars and cents. You know, uh, what's it going to cost for you to come catch my coyotes? Here's my rates. Well, this is what it's going to cost them. That's what that is worth. And managing money is also a huge area that i see lots and lots of people have trouble with you know and it money itself is something that each individual needs to look into and figure and it all comes back to what your grandmother told you don't spend more than you make always have you some reserve thing i'm not gonna go into a long talk about money but um maybe at some point in time um Clinton, I've even talked about possibly teaming up and kind of revisiting our business class again, which is excellent, by the way. I learned a ton. That's still up and available. Um, but he's going to tell you the, uh, many, many things there, but he's going to touch on that. 
is at the end of the day, don't spend more money than you than you make. And also look at other unique, creative ways to create more income streams than you even have. They're out there. They're everywhere. There is amazing. Money typically is not anybody's problem. There's a lot of people, myself included, that don't have enough, but the problem typically is how to manage the money that you do have. I mean, I know of people, and I, I know I'm getting scatterbrained here. I'm gonna regress real quick because this ties into what I wanna say. I know of people that don't have a ton of money, but they've got a ton of happiness. I said just a moment ago, we measure success in modern day America by money. I wish that there was a way, and I don't, I'm not convinced that there is, but a much better life is if instead of measuring success by money, if we measure success by happiness. It's kind of going both ways there too. It ties right back into the morals thing. That's how we should measure success is by happiness. Instead, in reality, we measure it by money. So we're all, myself included, want to go for the dollars and cents. Where can I make the most? What can I do to make the most money? How can I best use my time to make the most money? Money, money, money. It shouldn't be about money. Where am I really and truly the happiest? When I round the corner in the edge of that field and there's a triple coat catch flopping right there, boom, 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 I'm glowing. I don't take a lot of pictures. I don't ever post anything on social media. When that happens, that's just me. Chances are nobody else in the world, save maybe my closest friends, will ever see a picture of that but I'm the happiest I've ever been. With me, you know, my goal is to shoot a turkey in every state, and we're just about done there. This year, I should see the last turkey flopping on my quest. I've been almost 30 years trying to shoot a turkey in every state, and we should finish that up this year. I should see the last one flopping. Nobody's gonna see a video of that. Nobody's gonna see Facebook pictures of that, anything like that. I'm going to be a happy joker. You know, what does it matter if I've got $5 in the bank or $50 million in the bank at that time? You measure success in a lot of different ways. America measures success in money. I really, really, really wish that we could measure success in happiness. But because we don't, then we all have to learn to manage our money and to live on what we got and to be happy with what we got and to then to de devise and, and ways to increase that. That may be you know, creating another income stream. It may be creating another income stream with an idea that nobody's ever had or an idea that somebody has had that they haven't developed. You know, it may be taking two or three things from two or three different genres, putting them together to create a new service or a new product. They've never been done in conjunction with each other. You know, I mean, you've got to think outside the box. you got to use, you know, put your thinking cap on and, and think and, and develop that. But to even get there, you've got to learn to live at least immediately on what you do have. And if that's not enough, figure out new ways to do it because they're out there. I promise you there are uh, all, all the way through.
So I kind of got my money part talk out of order a little bit because what I really, really wanted to close the show with is um, what really matters the most is to be successful. And the biggest tip on being successful is to be happy. Um, you know, I've had some times in my own personal life, and I'm kind of unveiling some stuff to you here that I probably shouldn't, but I've had some times that I wasn't real happy, and I've had some other times that I've lived through that I've been really, really happy. The happy times, bad stuff happens, mistakes happen, but you gotta learn that, hey, when the bad stuff happens, it's learning opportunities when those happen. Trapping, business, life, it doesn't matter. When those things happen, embrace them. You know, my mind goes to another podcast that Clint did. He called it Embrace the Suck. When life is sucking, he used a lot of military examples in that podcast, if I recall. It was no fun doing those whatever they crazy 20-mile marches with rucksacks on. But you embrace that for many, many different reasons. One, for the physical fit part of it, but two, for the end part of it. There's a lot of different reasons you embrace that. But you also learn. When life isn't kind, you learn from it. You learn how to avoid that for the next go-round. How to, you know, how to um, how to stay out of that kind of issue the next time. Um, and then there's other times that I've kind of, usually, actually most of them have been later in life, that I figured out, Hey, I can put some things together and I don't have super happy days every single day of the year, but you know what? More often than not, most of them are happy because I've structured and I'm just me. I'm not you, but how I've done it because I've structured, I've gotten rid of the stuff that gets in the way. I've gotten rid of the stuff and there's still some other things I need to get rid of, but there's, I've gotten rid of most of what makes me unhappy. And most of what I do now, what I focus my time and my efforts and my um, energy on is the things that do make me happy, the things that do pay returns, whether it be it in a dollar figure or whether it do it just because I absolutely love to do it. So guys, with that, I hope I didn't ramble too much. I probably should have, going back, I probably should have t made a lot of notes. Maybe I could, you could have gained more from the podcast from that. Um, I will close with this. I wish you happiness. Get out there. You know, the trapping season still open. We There's a lot of places, even up north, you got spring beaver coming up. If you're frozen up now or whatever, down south, we're still going hard right now. It's probably my most favorite time to trap. We're finally about maybe to get out of some of this crazy coat breathing cycle thing here you can't enjoy trapping on the couch worried about whatever you're worried about you got to get outside and do it very very few critters are caught besides maybe a mouse under the refrigerator are caught from from inside the house you got to get out there you got to go enjoy it go have you some fun get out there and do it enjoy it great time of the year to be outside awesome time of the year. I love this time of the year. Spring's coming to you. A lot of things are going on. Be happy. Try to get yourself where you're thinking more about life and more about success by measuring that in happiness instead of measuring it in dollars. Just one of the things I'm observing that um, I think the nation could do better on if, if we could learn how to uh, to set our goals 
to measure success by happiness rather than to measure our success by money. Just a tip, something for you to think about. Guys and girls, I absolutely love hanging out with you when we get a chance to visit. Uh, Clint just happened to be out this week, much uh, needed break, taking care of some real important business. Uh, he'll be back with you next week uh, on Trapping Radio. And until the next time that I get a chance to sit in with you, hope you guys all have tight chains. I hope you're happy. And I hope um, that everything works out great for you. If I can ever help in any way, form, or fashion, feel free to contact me at any time. Until then, I will talk to you next time. And this will be Chip signing out for Trapping Radio.